0: Welcome to the Deep Intimate King podcast, also known as The Dick. This is a special podcast series for growth driven men who desire to be the solid leaders and powerful lovers that they were born to be. If you've been wanting to experience deeper intimacy and fuller freedom of expression, then this podcast series is designed especially for you. So get ready to unleash your dick. On the world
1: so welcome to episode two of the dick podcast so in this episode we're going to be going deeper into the roles that i spoke about in episode one if you haven't listened to that episode i highly recommend that you go back and listen to it because it give you a really great understanding of what i mean by roles and how they intertwine with the other barriers to intimacy so the roles specifically that I'm going to share about are the people-pleasing nice guy and the white knight. And this is because I have worked with so many men that run these roles. And also because my partner, Bear, who's here with me.
0: Hey, baby. How are you? <laughs> Great. Hey, guys.
1: Um, is a reformed, people-pleasing nice guy.
0: 100%.
1: And so I'm going to share about the roles and then Bear's going to actually share really from his personal journey and his experience, what it's, what it's been like for him and the, the transformation that he's been on to be where he is now, letting go of, of this role or what I call releasing the role. So where I'd like to start is just to talk about how roles are created, how they're formed in childhood. So essentially we are born into a tribe and we, l- we learn in a condition that as long as we play our role in the tribe – then we are safe and the tribe is safe so essentially we create these roles to keep our tribe together to keep it working to survive and we learn these roles because they were modeled to us or we were uh, put in a position to play this role with our parents and our family dynamic dynamic to some degree so Roles are effectively like a mask. It's not really who we are. It's who we believe we are, and usually it's what makes us look good. It what it's what gets us approval. It what it's what gets us love and acceptance. And it's where we also hide our vulnerabilities, and those places where we've been made wrong and not enough. And essentially, the roles cover shame. Yeah. So, I want you to take a moment to just really reflect on some of the things that you, you picked up as a, as a child and, and essentially perhaps what you'll learn as we go through this, you're going to see the qualities and the behaviours that really land and resonate for you. So the purpose of a role is really protection. Yeah, so it takes us away from our internal world, which is intimacy and vulnerability, to keep us safe in the external world, what we perceive as reality. So there are over-functioning roles and under-functioning roles. And the people I tend to work with are usually in the over-functioning roles. So this includes the strong, independent woman or man person, person, um, the good girl, the nice guy, the people pleaser, the caretaker, the martyr, the rescuer, the savior, the high achiever, the lone wolf, and the list could go on. What I have noticed is that there are several standout ones for men and those ones are the people-pleasing nice guy and the uh, what I call the white knight and underneath the white knight is really the rescuer and the caretaker and also the martyr and then we have under functioning roles so under functioning wrong is usually the the victim or the drama queen these are roles that tend to be uh, more irresponsible yeah, so we can have a mix of both. Sometimes we might have, in some areas in our lives, we might be over-functioning. And then in other areas of our lives, we might be under-functioning. And so the role that I'm going to speak to first is the nice guy, the people-pleasing nice guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know that one really well.
1: <laughs> so. Essentially the the thought pattern they have is that they need to be good to be loved that's the piece They need to do everything right and they believe that if they do the right thing and they do are a good person Then they'll get their needs met and they'll be loved and then life will go smoothly But unfortunately what life doesn't work like that So what happens is they create these behaviors to try and get their needs met Yeah. so Some of these behaviours are giving, overgiving, and being generous, and receiving, to to essentially receive love and look good, and often expect something back. So they're giving to get, yeah? Uh, They often will seek validation from others, they'll say yes to things, to please another person, and to get their approval, and essentially avoid being disapproved of, like they really want to be liked.
0: My head's bopping up and down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and yeah, just as you as we go along, like really acknowledge what feels true for you. They tend to really avoid conflict. They want to keep the peace. They want to avoid doing things that uh, might rock the boat. Uh, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And and now, Bear and I actually had an instance when we first started um, dating where this actually came up, and it actually had a huge impact and then shift in our relationship when beer was able to face conflict so we're actually going to talk about that in the next episode where we're going to talk about um men really getting into their warrior energy and their wild beast and how that helps them to it's, it's really the medicine for the people pleaser and helps them to be able to stand up for themselves and face conflict and mm. not worried about not being liked essentially.
0: yeah yeah 100 percent, and um like like EJ said, we'll get into that deeply in the next um, next round. But to get to that place, um, there's, there's uh, work to be done. And it's, it's uh, possible. We can do it. And, um, yeah, I, I really can't wait to talk about that. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. This, this, is a, this, this episode I'm really excited about. I'm excited about this episode too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So they want to do the right things, the right way. Yeah, they do not like making mistakes. They don't like things going wrong. And I, I also, as I'm saying these things, I can really recognize these behaviors in myself as well. Like I've had the good girl conditioning, so they're very similar. So yeah. does that
0: mean you would do things like lie to make yourself look better? Yeah, um, I have yeah. done in the past mm. for sure.
1: Yeah, like an, um, like an um, admitted lying. Like yeah. not fully telling the whole truth or leaving out bits yes. that could make me look bad. Um, would they yeah. call,
0: be called white lies?
1: Yeah, white uh, lies. Uh, white lies, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, so yeah, telling white lies is another trait of like it's slightly bending the truth a bit. And when, yeah? I d-
0: when I tell white lies for so many years, actually, I actually don't lie. They're not, I don't lie. It's not really a lie, right? It's like, yeah. uh, no one will... I like the one when I think no one will ever know about it. So what's the point? It's not going to matter. I don't need to tell the truth and, yeah. you know, have the possibility that they're not going to love me. So, yeah. yeah, it's okay.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing, is nice guys convince themselves that, like, white lies are not really lies. They convince themselves over and over that, oh, it's not, I'm not really doing anything wrong here. Yeah. yeah and until the point where some of those lies start to feel like truth.
0: And I used to always think, oh, thank God they don't have a mind-reading machine. <laughs> uh <laughs> But some women do say, I can tell what you're thinking. And then I'm like, really? don't think so. And we can feel it. You can feel it, right? We can
1: feel it when something is off. Like, our intuition is on. Like, mm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but your energy is telling you something else. And I used to
0: hate that and uh, (laughs) avoid it like the plague when when a woman would even go near that. But now, in my life, my partner says, or any woman says, "Is, is there something going on? I look at it and go, oh, is there, great, what is it? Like, well, thanks, so, uh, yeah, there actually is, you know, and um, instead of running from it, sit in it, identify it and bring it to the surface um, and, um, and just own it. Yeah, so ownership is really, really a beautiful healing piece and medicine for the nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll be going into that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, but also like, for a nice guy to admit that he's done something wrong, and that he's or admit that he's done something that might actually upset someone, or particularly if he doesn't want to hurt a woman, oh, that can be like that can be like a death to this identity. Like it can feel yeah. as like oh, like if I tell, I'm going to die, and it's actually the identity of the nice guy that's dying.
0: Yeah, something's going to die. Some part of me is going to die, and. I've had many things die over the years, and uh, kind of get getting used. I get used to it, and um, like EJ says, releasing the roles. You know, that's like part of once you go into that, it's like part of you is dying, and you're you're letting it go in effect as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, nice guys often well, a lot of the time repress their feelings, and uh, in let's their just minds. say nice guys repress their nice feelings. guys repress their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so they're not great at feeling their emotions And you know yeah. i'd
0: I like to talk to that part because i know it really well is that um i did repress my feelings because i never got taught to um, express um um keep, keep them in i didn't have any any good skills to um, be loud and express outwardly like anger i would keep my anger in and it would be called resentment um and i would just compound it and um like the bank your money i actually they don't do much do they but compound my <laughs> fear there was a joke in there but compound my feelings so i had i would get so much resentment that it would end up coming out in um dysfunctional behaviors like um drug use or porn addiction or um yeah lots of things so mm. eating disorders um whatever lots of things.
1: Yeah, and so my dad, I can recognise that my dad w- was a nice guy growing up, he's done a lot of work on himself to, to change his um, patterns and behaviours with that, but when I was and probably in my 20s, I didn't even know he'd actually tried to commit suicide twice, and I had no idea, like it, I just had no idea that, that that was going on for him, and then he eventually told me a few years later, he actually ended up getting help, and... What happened is that he realized that he had bottled up all his feelings, and they just got so suppressed that led to depression. And then his work was to learn how to feel all his feelings. That's what he had to go and do for himself, and that's what worked for him. Um, and so this is it. Like these these repressed feelings can manifest into you know disease and mental illness. And so so yeah. And how old I was
0: your dad, um, EJ, when um, when he started to do the work? um like after after he realized
1: he would have been in his 50s uh, in a suicide yeah. point um uh yeah probably really? yeah yeah um, early early 50s or late yeah. 40s yeah so yeah. so
0: there you go man um, just <laughs> an example of for Never 50 years i can hold um my feelings down and then all of a sudden i can start to get um, unleash them and uh, in a safe way mm. and um that is just beautiful yeah you know.
1: yeah and so so I, f- I feel like that also led to me uh, learning to be a good girl as well, like, like having like that model of, of a parent. So if usually what will happen with men is that they will either have seen their dad be a nice guy or they've often seen their fathers be uh, unavailable, abusive, passive, toxic, angry, alcoholic and they made a decision that I don't want to be like that. And so they decide to go the other way and be the nice guy.
0: Well, I had a little giggle because fuck, I had one of each growing up. My my dad that left at three, um, and he left, but he lived in the same town, so I would see him in the weekends. He was a, um, a really happy alcoholic, and my uh, stepfather at home for thirty years uh, was a violent. Um, mm. So I had both, um, and I feel that like I took on the nice guy. I took on the. Um, I didn't want to be like the the man bashing my mum every night for years, um, and I took on my dad's um, side um, of um, not being responsible and um, taking taking. Being, he, he, the beautiful part is he he had this. He's a free and easy spirit and um, uh, playful. Traits that I am, and but as you get to know me um, through these series, you'll get to know that um, some of those roles played out in my life um, that led me uh, to go down these um, this pa- these paths of um, addiction and and um, pain and um, not facing conflicts and all this stu- all these things. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting.
1: Mm yeah so you know just take a moment to reflect on how your relationship with your father may have impacted you if you have taken on this this nice guy role um yeah and what's also really interesting is that nice guys are often more comfortable relating to women than uh, than men and there may be like a, a distrust in men <laughs>
0: There is a distrust in me. Uh, we're not going to cut this because I, lo- I love his little quirks, and EJ's laughing, and, um, and my hand just clicked the clicker, and I've literally got my hands up because we're not allowed to make any noise, and so
1: <laughs> we try not to make noise so that this can be. And it's
0: quite hot in this room, and she's really just taking the top off, so um, you guys can't see only me, so that's that's pretty cool, yeah. but I wouldn't care anyway. So let's get back to this nice guy stuff, right? And what you see, the EJ, really. Really, this is good for me because, like, um, I could get on well with women um, because why? Manipulation. Um, I learned to manipulate um, women to so that they would like me and just to be accepted. And um, young, old, and um, it gave me the confidence to be um, to be good with women. And as I grew up, I um, yeah, I did a lot of things with women. Um, the industry of, of dancing and stuff like that and they kind of helped me so these some of these traits actually helped me communicate but really I was just manipulating to to get love mm. and you know I'm not talking about relationship sexual I'm talking about um, everyday stuff you know the lady down at the shop um, you know the aunties and the um, I- everywhere the, at the librarian at the library didn't go to the library that much, but <laughs> if there was, I would have manipulated her. She would have gave me three books instead of one. You know, oh, nice little Jimmy. There you go, take another book. So yeah. there's, there's these little kinds of manipula- manipulation. If you guys can just think about yourselves for net for a minute now and go, wow, yeah, actually I, d- I do a bit of that. And it's the, the many little COVID contracts that we start to create um, to get through every day so that yeah. we finish the day loved and where we want to be and when the nice guy finishes the day in bed and his world is all shaken he will come up with a way the next day and he'll manipulate his brain will start to Mm. work out a way to get back on track the next day and that could be um, nasty stuff um Mm. you know but we don't we just hide it all i hide it all Mm. so
1: Yeah, and as you're saying that, babe, I think about like even though these men they might go to bed at night and think, "Oh, I've, I've done the right thing. I've, I've, you know, I've been loved or validated by a woman." But underneath, okay, here's what's what's underneath, babe. This is
0: good. So let's go back to that. You've just gone to bed, so this is. Let's wind back an hour, guys. Uh, I'm only saying this because it's my it's my shit. So. Friday night, finish good week of work. Oh, great! You know, oh, nice reward. Yeah. Oh, feel like and this is in my mind, and I'm creating on the way home a COVID contract that is um, that says um, my wife is going to sleep. We're going to we're going to have sex tonight, and I'm going to create it in my mind. She doesn't know. She has no idea. But she's been at home with the kids and is tired, and you know the last thing on her mind is having sex. And um, but if there was a way around oh let's um put the kids to, to bed have some nice conversation you know ease into a hot bath and and all these <laughs> things hey that, there you go now we're getting intimate right um but there's none of that there's um some walk into the house uh cook dinner hey here's some flowers that's a covid contract through <laughs> so the flowers really when she says oh thanks babe that's nice i'm thinking here are the flowers great oh, we're gonna have sex later so that's another little sex thing that I've made in my mind. That's going to get me it. Then I've cooked dinner. Uh, I'll, um, I noticed that the, she said something about the yard was messy. It had leaves all over it the other night. Uh, I'll go and do that. In my mind, I'm, I'm just getting brownie points for that mm-hmm. big thing that I want. My man essence is just wanting some sex and I feel like I deserve it. I've worked all week, um, clean the yard. So in my mind, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'll cook dinner done the flowers, I've, oh, I've done the mus- it's going so good, oh, I've even um, done the kids, put them to bed, oh, come out into the room, she's tired, and okay, watch a movie, go to bed, and, and as I'm now where, where you are, right, laying in bed, and she says, oh, okay, see you in the morning, babe, kiss, give you a kiss, and, and I don't ask for what I want, I don't tell her how I'm feeling, I just go, yeah, I love you, babe okay, good, i see you tomorrow, good Good night. I roll over. And in that instance, I have a little resentment. Let's not say little, I have resentment in my stomach where it's actually, that's happened many a time. So it just starts building, right? Um, Mm. So I resent that piece and all the work, all the COVID contracts that I created that day to get what I want. So half this work is about asking for what you want, right? It's like back in those days, I could not own it. I would just um, have resentment and um, and not not say ask for what I want or just talk about things. So there was no communication. So it's a lot different, right?
1: Yeah, well, I think the difference is is that having like open conversations about what you want and desire, and so that's the thing about the nice guy. He really struggles to ask for what he wants and needs because he's afraid that he won't be liked. <laughs> that he'll get rejected, that he'll upset or make someone feel uncomfortable. Yeah, so, for example, Bear could say something like, I would love to have some intimate time with you tonight. Are you, are you open to that? Up for that. Instead, And this is what he does now, right? We, we do this with each other. We, we go, oh, babe, I like feeling I'd love to have some intimate time with you. Are you available for that? And instead of, like, in his, in his mind, doing all these things, trying to hope that she'll respond... And, and he'll get what he wants, which actually, at the end of the day, just builds resentment. And let me tell you, as a woman, I can feel that shit. Like, women <laughs> woman can feel the stuff. When uh, there's an agenda... Your like, accent is so cute. Yeah, thanks, babe.
0: She's, she's a Kiwi. She's got an accent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, when there's an agenda, like, that, th- honestly, it makes me less, like, A, not able to receive the thing that a man is doing when I can feel the agenda behind it and b like it doesn't make me want to have sex with a guy <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like i'd rather <laughs> just be direct and honest and and ask and express your desire and unfortunately nice guys have this conditioning that says that it's not safe to do that it's not safe to to ask for what they want it will be direct even like mm. So it's something that is scary as hell oh. like
0: Uh, totally it's like um as she was saying some of that i was getting a uh, like a little air knife and just driving it into my (laughs) chest i'm like remembering uh, uh, i don't want her to know what i what i'm actually thinking it's like be the worst imagine telling her
1: we're going to talk a bit more about that on another episode uh around uh, men asking Uh, what they want. and
0: also we do this stuff right at the yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah we do. It. We <laughs> this do. It. Is this what is what we do. This is the yeah, stuff we I just teach. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, yeah.
0: It's like we're just having a conversation, and this is you know who we are. But I just want to say, like, this shit is what we dive deep into um, in our program, and we're so passionate about it, and it's such a, alo- it's so alive out there. And the men that that are out there that don't believe or want to do this thing, this stuff, is like that's another thing that's holding you back. Is that I can't see what's going on in me. And I, and, um, and that there, not taking the first step forward is the challenge, there's the medicine. Mm-hmm. Take that first step forward, right? And there's the medicine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so also I wanna mention here that when BSA's um, covert contracts, it's covert, not COVID.
0: Oh, yeah, COVID. <laughs> no,
1: COVID, what C-O-V-I-D, C-O-V-I-D. I it's C-O-V-E-R-T. COVID. COVID. So uh, kind of like uh, covert is like <coughs> not being clear, basically, not having a clear contract um, that the other person does, doesn't yeah. even know about it. Yeah, it's right? a, for
0: me and my, my brain is um, when I look at EJ right now and I'm creating a covert contract, I'm, I'm having this whole conversation with myself and I'm talking to her and I'm doing actions that she has no idea. And then I sign the deal, I even sign the paper in my mind and it's done, it's signed. It's like she knows everything about what I want, but there you go, she doesn't know anything.
1: So one thing I've also noticed a lot with my guys is that they, they make their partner their emotional centre so it's this idea of like happy wife, happy life as long as she's happy that's the main thing I say that all the time to (laughs) guys on site happy wife,
0: happy life mate and they're like yeah, happy wife, happy life mate everyone knew it, it was a thing and I believed it was truth in my life and I made sure she was happy
1: and the thing is, it's like the focus is on always making her happy and then not looking at what you actually want and need and becoming resentful about it and creating then, usually creating resentment, distance, defensiveness. Um, especially when you're doing things and then she's not happy. Because I can tell you, I am going to talk about this more in other episodes, is a lot of women are just sick of men being so fucking nice. Mm. Like, and I don't, <laughs> like, here's the thing. Nice, nice guys are not safe guys. Women do not feel safe with nice guys. And the one thing that a woman wants most with a man is to feel safe. Yeah, if he's protected. pleasing her, doesn't have healthy boundaries, is always like pedestaling her, like that shit is, doesn't feel safe. Like it's like this guy isn't safe inside of himself. Like he's 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 like giving his power away to please me. Like he, I, I don't believe that he'll stand up for me. I think he's gonna be too nice to everyone. Yeah, and always pleasing everyone, and and you know probably not even getting the, his real opinions or thoughts. You know so. This is the piece I really want you you guys to know is that women don't want nice guys, yeah, and they want to feel safe, and they feel safe with a man that can stand up for himself, yeah, that can and stand up for his woman, yeah. Because when you st- when a man stands up for himself, even if it is to his partner, because you know, he's got good boundaries, right, then then he- she is gonna feel safer than if a man is to just focus on pleasing her and giving her all the things that she wants yeah so that's where you're going to get end up being emasculated and getting walked all over and then she's probably going to leave you because like she doesn't feel safe like that's the piece right
0: it's not her fault she doesn't want that but nice guys put that shit on our partners and then when it's when we have separation um it was just our fault it's uh and now we're not aware of it because it's just our conditioning, and this nice guy stuff really destroys mm-hmm. relationships.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. And our
0: kids, if you yeah. have kids, uh, they grow up looking at it, and we create the same thing to go out into the society, mm-hmm. just another yeah. nice guy.
1: Yeah. yeah, and look, we have to look at why this is, and b- the big part of it is that there is really no uh, proper initiation For teenage boys to go through to come into manhood and to be separated from their mothers Um. going through that psychological separation which is actually the first piece of uh, a man's initiation so to some degree a man is still psychologically connected to his mother no matter what kind of relationship he had and is still unconsciously trying to please her and make her happy even if he had a um, not a great relationship and I am doing another episode on that, I'm going to go deep into the mother wound and understanding that the need for that psychological separation. This is why you have men that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s that often still feel like teenage boys at times, you know, often feel like in their relationships that they feel can go into this little little wounded little boy, yeah, so that's huge, so Bear's done a lot of work in men's initiation. And we'll talk more about that in another episode um, to be able to go a bit deeper, especially working with the different masculine embodiment and archetypes and moving through initiation with those. So another thing that I have actually seen really commonly, and this is super fascinating for me, is working in sexual healing, I had a lot of men come with sexual dysfunction and a lot of their performance issues and erection problems were actually connected to this nice guy role. Yeah. So, for example, I've had men that um, have had instances where they uh, were so afraid to hurt a woman that their cock shut down basically, and that they their brain made a decision that oh. I don't want to do anything that could hurt a woman so I need to shut down this penetrative energy yeah and look, they can go do all the um, sexual healing breath work exercises but actually the piece is actually releasing the role of the nice guy and a big way that they that Bear and I do this with men is by initiating men into their dark night which is essentially this dark masculine energy that is very connected to the primal essence of a man his, his his animalistic predatory healthy predatory energy that actually supports him to really stand in his power and to not give his power away so m- many nice guys have shut down this because that's the polarity and again I'm going to do an, we're going to do another episode on this mm. we're going to talk about the polarity of the the nice guy and the sexual predator but essentially the sexual predator the nice guy has been like has is that like, that would be the worst thing for him to be or be accused of yeah so but what this does is because it, he has a strong like i don't want to be that that's really bad he goes the polarizes to the opposite way i've got to be the good guy the nice guy and you know treat woman right and do all this which you know it's beautiful but it's not beautiful when he's giving his power and his boundaries and his value away and really it's a mask yeah mm-hmm. so if someone's a people-pleasing nice guy essentially they're not going to be able to ask to get their needs met so this is why they have do it in ways of manipulation through covert contracts and what i call also hidden motives yeah so they are um, dishonest and hide their mistakes anything that they could be perceived that they're a bad person yeah um, they will control sometimes to keep things problem-free in their lives they'll often be um, unavailable forgetful late irresponsible they're not, they often won't follow through on their commitments so the nice guy has many shadows as Bear already spoke about one being that Um, They're just actually dishonest. Yeah, they hide their mistakes or their perceived flaws, anything that they could be seen as um, not being so nice, right and They hide things that they think will upset the other person. It's it's really interesting Um, one of the things that I learned about why men ghost is actually a lot of nice guys will ghost because they don't know how to tell a woman that they're not interested And they don't want to hurt her feelings, and so they just don't even want to know that they've hurt her
0: feelings.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. Like if I tell if I hurt her, I might die, right? Because my identity, my nice identity, was threatened, and this role I've created to protect myself so I don't die. Let's just run, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then (laughs) you know what goes on for us? The ones that get ghosted, we think, fucking asshole. (laughs) Like I thought he was so nice. I thought he was one of the good ones. Like, how did I get it so wrong? How did (laughs) How did I think that he was such a good guy? And how did I, oh, like, and, and we, I, I've had spoken to many women and myself being included in this of thinking like, how did I get this so wrong? And how did I get tricked and fooled again? And men are assholes and liars. Like,
0: there you and, go. And
1: I've had to do my work on those beliefs because um, I don't Sounds actually. like you I, have. I have done my you work passion. on that. I know. Because I, I don't be- have those belief systems anymore. It's like it's like men believing that women are bitches and controlling. Well, if you believe that, you're going to attract that, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's
0: interesting, isn't it? Um, uh, what we believe now about what the people um, then, you know, 20 years ago or 10 years ago, um, the difference now. And yeah, totally true, like when you say that. Um, and I think about the past uh, women and relationships. It's totally mm-hmm. different now. Uh, so many, it's just not forgiveness, it's a feeling of, yeah, okay, I understand that, I get that. Oh, it's just, yeah, love in my heart, compassion, mm-hmm. and um, no gooey resentment for, for anything. Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah, so these are the nice guy qualities and behaviors, and I imagine that you can probably recognize many of those in you. And now, one of the other roles that is often commonly run by a nice guy is the role of the rescuer or the savior. yeah. So essentially, the rescuer likes to rescue people from their discomfort. And how this role is usually formed in childhood is either you had to rescue someone in childhood, and it might have been a parent, it could have been a sibling, um, or you wish you could have rescued someone and you're trying to unconsciously heal that like you wish you could have um, saved someone So, for example, um, I had a client that who actually his father left, and he basically became like the surrogate partner of his mother, and rescued her because she really struggled with her getting her emotional needs met, and basically made him her surrogate partner. And what he was doing in his relationships is he was always finding women or attracting woman that had just come out of a relationship. And he would kind of become this, this surrogate, this new surrogate boyfriend to replace the one that left, right? And we could recognize that he was still trying to rescue his mum through all these women, right? So, um, and I had this role as well, the rescuer, and I was trying to rescue my dad because if I could have rescued him, then maybe he wouldn't have left my mom essentially there was there was that playing out so me I'm trying to unconsciously heal that that childhood wound um, yeah so so you the other way is you might have actually witnessed it in someone else so usually a parent caregiver you actually saw them being the rescuer and you learned that was familiar yeah so whatever you see is familiar is what your brain deems is safe and then you continue that on because it's what you know right? so really this role helps to make things right it helps to avoid conflict and yes yeah, so it's very similar to the nice guy but it's very much focused on i'm going to give my time my energy and my resources to help someone else it may look like overproviding. it may look like being overly responsible it may look like uh trying to have power and control because you don't feel safe without it it is also about looking at other people's problems focusing on their problems to avoid looking at your own so spending a lot of time and energy focusing on everyone else's problems maybe even getting swept up in other people's stuff and then not having any time to actually really face what's going on for you Mm -hmm. if you're in a relationship playing this role you might focus a lot of time working on the relationship uh, and helping the other person and not really having enough time for you uh, you are usually creating some kind of dependency so that the other person is less likely to leave you. It's like they become becoming dependent on you and some for something, yeah. And in that process, you really abandon your own wants and needs. Yeah, you're also often uh, hiding or avoiding your own insecurity insecurities and perceived flaws. And also something I commonly see is really you're avoiding appearing like you're the one that needs anything. You're know, like you're the victim. You're like, it's almost like, oh no, I've got my shit together. I'm good so I can help you. But really underneath, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you need to look at, right? Um, and I say this from, from lots of personal experience. <laughs> um, yeah, so you might often attract someone who needs help. And it's like, it's like this part of you gets activated. It's like, oh, let me, let me help you. Let, let me see what I can do for you. Yeah, it's like this part of you gets activated. And something I love about men is that men naturally want to help, right? So I don't want you to deny that part of yourself. Like I want you to like honor that part of yourself that really loves to help. Yeah, it's natural, instinctual part of men. It's the protector, it's the provider. And I love that about men. Where it becomes a role is when you're doing it to get liked and be of value, yeah? When it's healthy is when you are not doing it because, oh, this person will like me more or this person is going to think I'm worthy and lovable. It's when you're just able to really give that help and able to and have the space to do that authentically. Yeah, it's like a genuine desire. It's like you're not needing anything back, yeah? Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of that, the rescuer usually struggles to receive help from others, Yeah, you know, won't let them s- other people help them. And now the final role I wanna speak to is actually the caretaker role. And what's really interesting is when I first learned about this role, I didn't think I had it. I was like, no, I'm not a caretaker. And as a man, you maybe th- think you don't resonate to being a caretaker, but just, just hear me out. So what happens with the roles is that once you release one role, and this is the process that um, I teach and, and take men through is releasing their roles, is that once you release one role, w- another one will suddenly pop up and appear. It's like, oh now I see that one. <laughs> Great. So when I after I released the rescuer, because that was the one that was most prominent for me, suddenly I could recognize that I had a caretaker role. And it was huge. Um, I was like, this is even bigger than my rescuer role. It's like my rescuer role was co- almost covering me that f- like protecting me from even realizing that I was being a caretaker. Right. So just be curious about, about it. Cause it, you, you might not see it yet, but like it might come to you at some point. So again, it's, it's, it is very similar tangent to the rescuer, but there are differences. So Usually, caretaking is is the caretaker is not very good at looking after themselves. They're not very good at like caretaking their own needs and wants, and they put other people first. Yeah, they take care of others first, um, and they love to take care of everything. Yeah, uh, they live to serve and prioritizing helping others. They need to support others rather than actually allowing themselves to be supported. They feel guilty or uncomfortable receiving support and find it super hard to ask for support. People tend to think that caretakers are lovely and helpful. Same with nice guys and, and rescuers like, oh, they're so helpful and lovely. But again, it's the mask that those people are seeing. They're not really seeing the, tr- the, the real you, right? Uh, often caretakers are never really focused on what they want and how they feel. So this is when I speak to a lot of people and ask them what they want they're like I don't know what I want, Wh- whatever you want, like it, it, it's like, okay, you're actually disconnected from what you want because your focus is on making sure that I'm pleased or I'm taken care of rather than actually um, ha- like knowing what you actually want and desire and that that's okay. Um, yeah, so another thing that's really interesting, if you were to, if you, let's say you're single and you were to attract uh, a person who didn't need your caretaking, then this may actually trigger your inadequacy and not feeling enough. You don't understand what your role would be, right? So you can feel unworthy because it's like, what value do I have? If, if, if this person doesn't need caretaking or rescuing, like what do I, what am I what am i, I going to do like who, what is my value in this yeah so this happened for me where i i really desired a man that took care of himself like has a you know to some degree had his shit together um and that was re- responsible and integrity right and while i had these roles that just wasn't possible because what would happen is that they men like that would threaten these identities yeah so I would end up if I attracted men like this I would end up sabotaging it acting weird um, using covert motives and just being a weirdo basically and then pushing them away whereas when men came into my life that needed me for something or I could see like oh I can help them with this and I can do something with them ah it was like such a comfort zone for me yeah I had so much to give so much to give and ah and then I would feel like needed and I would feel wanted and I would feel loved but they were all that was all the role being loved because at the end of the day I would actually end up feeling resentful and exhausted and tired like oh my god I've just given so much and I've got nothing left to give because it was always doing so much and not leaving anything for myself yeah so one of the biggest lessons and journeys that i've been on with bear is actually me learning to receive and to allow me to be taken care of bear is actually really good at taking care of me in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and i'm able to receive it i've never experienced this before and it's because i know it's because i release these roles so that i could feel safe to receive and safe to be supported yeah so if you're someone that struggles to receive struggles to um have support struggles to uh, know and and receive what you want then i would say that you're running at least one of these roles
0: yeah i used to think babe, how could you get through all these years um buying meals out and not having anyone cook for you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so good babe (laughs) like that was so good to hear um that caretaker stuff because i was just so quiet looking at listening and just going yeah Yeah, 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 totally, totally uh, remembering and acknowledge all those parts um, Mm -hmm, that, yeah, mm -hmm. and when you said, oh, that's not me, and it's like even bigger, yeah. Mm -hmm, So, yeah, that was really powerful for me, it's great. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, and also underneath the caretaker is, uh, is usually a need for control, yeah, and control to have safety, so... Um, and a distrust in others and like not trusting other people to be able to do things um, and certainly not the way that you would want them to be done. Yeah, so ah, do you mm-hmm. want to add anything? babe? Anyway, I feel like that's a lot. Yeah, that's
0: a <laughs> lot. It is. I'm feeling it. It's like, whew. And um, luckily, like with these podcasts, you can actually stop and listen and have a breather and go back to it as well. Yeah. So that's that's a really good thing about these podcasts yeah, um, you can digest it at, at your own time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some of the stuff is it doesn't. You can't. I can't rush over it. I need to take it in small segments, and um, yeah, maybe write write down some stuff in a journal. That's been really good for me as well. And uh, write how I'm feeling. Um, my brain struggles to take too much in, and I've found out what the sweet spot is. So then I'll have a break and write it down, or go back to it after and um, really um, digest it all. So. Find out what works for you and um, what doesn't and, yeah, make make the adjustments. But really powerful stuff, babe.
1: Yeah, so I developed this five-step role-releasing process and I I really don't feel like when I say it, it gives it enough justice because it basically transforms people's whole lives. Like You can't show up in the same way that you've been showing up. Like You just can't. And people tend to go through a bit of an identity. I don't know if I want to use the word crisis, but let's say that a big, uh, let's say the word identity death, right? When they do this yep. process, because they, they can't show up in that same way anymore. So essentially what I do is, and what we do in the Deep Intimate King, is that we help people identify like the, what the biggest roles are that are, have been running and controlling their lives and relationships, Right. And then we take them through some different processes that um, release this role on many different levels so emotionally um, physically mentally energetically i want to make sure that we have you covered uh, and also spiritually and so there's some ritual involved in that and then really at the end is making some uh, commitments and boundaries of of really committing to like who are you now becoming who is the the real you and how does this person show up in the world and what are the commitments and boundaries that you're putting in place to make this happen and to change these behaviors and that's really what we hold men accountable to too so we take them on this journey and then we're like right now we're going to hold your hand and keep you accountable so that these behaviors change and also give you feedback. So on the next episode, we're going to dive deeper into this and talk more about how the nice guy actually shows up um, in his relationship and how it impacts uh, his relationship with women, essentially.
0: So you're saying you want me to go vulnerable, <laughs> yes, babe, and um, <laughs> tell you all my truths. And yes. And oh my God. <laughs> what if you actually see who I really am? How's that gonna make you feel?
1: Ah, uh, safe.
0: Again. Yeah, I get that. And um, now in my life, I get that. And um, I'm so happy to be in this place that I am now. And I'm really happy even more to share all the stuff that um, the nice guy is about. And um, I lived it for, for years and years, a lifetime it seems. And um, and I'd love to share all those elements um, of the dysfunctional behaviours of the nice guy and moving, slowly moving and having awarenesses to... Just to start to step out of it.
1: Yeah, awesome. And one of the things that is really important for us to share is around the nice guy being able to face conflict and usually his avoidance of that and how that specifically impacts a woman and our journey, our personal journey with that, because that bear being able to face conflict has like basically saved our relationship. Yeah, and when I share this story with women, oh, so many of them go, oh my God, that is my relationship, or you just – I've had women reach out to me and go, you just um, told me exactly what's been going on in my relationship and why we've been struggling with, with our intimacy and why our polarity's a bit fucked. Like, <laughs> and so this is such a big piece of it. So, and, th- and that's the thing is when we're in these roles, our polarity, which is necessary for chemistry and intimacy – uh, can in, end up really unhealthy, and that we'll talk about more that on another episode around around polarity. But um, yeah, I look forward to
0: well, we look forward to <laughs> epic to diving into um this on the next episode.
1: If you are feeling called to the deep intimate king, then we invite you to go to www.deepintimateking.com to learn about what we offer and how you can join us and become part of the dick movement. We are so excited to support you to break through your barriers to intimacy and become the solid leader and powerful lover that you were born to be. Make sure you follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. You can also follow us on Facebook under EJ Love and Bear Nutting, or Instagram under at Deep Intimate King. And if you really love this episode, then we encourage you to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get your dick on.